right, we are here with another episode of In the Clinch. I am John Cox. As always, with me, the international man of mystery, my co-host, Theo, Teddy Bendis. Say hi to the people. Coming off a great class. Class started this week. We went back to school. Uh, I came home from class just now. It was raining outside. I did not dress appropriately. I had to kick <laughs> out my roommate, Dave, who was taking his regularly scheduled 5 o'clock afternoon nap. He was not happy, but the show must go on. The show must go on. Sorry, Dave. Uh, like and subscribe we got a lot to talk about here <laughs> we got uh we had a great fight over the weekend um decent card good main event though uh Shikatsu just continued his tear we're going to talk about rosen uh zang moreno has his first uh, defense coming up jake paul we'll talk a little bit about that Hamzad's return uh and then of course next weekend's card as well as a couple other things so Let's get right into it. The uh, recap: Edson Barboza versus Chica de Gatsi. How do you say? Is it Chica? I always fuck this. Chica Chikazi, his last name. Chikazi, his first name's the one that slips me up. Chica Chikazi. Yeah, I've heard yeah. Chica Gigazi. Like I've heard, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Giga Whatever Chikazi. We'll go with says. that. Yeah. Um, versus Edson Barboza. That was the main event at featherweight TKO victory at one forty-four in the third round for. Giga Chigatsi. He is now 14 and 2. Edson Barboza falls to 22 and 10. Um, Chigatsi jumped two spots in the ranking from 10 to 8. He is now um, really uh, coming into his own as far as his striking goes and uh, the different his fight style. He he's a fucking he is a scary man, especially the way he fought um, Edson Barboza. I did go back and watch most of the fight. I caught a little bit of it during my lunch break today. Um, and then I watched the finish earlier just before we recorded. Uh, but the one thing that I thought was interesting from this fight is the way that he fought at Barboza because ah, there aren't too many guys that just go head on at Barboza and try to walk him right. down, and that's exactly what he did. And you end up getting the finish. So, curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, no, it's a huge statement win for Giga or Jiga or however you say his name. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a huge win. Um, you brought up a great point. A lot of people don't really go at Barboza. This fight mm-hmm. was really interesting because they're both two pressure fighters and one of them's going to have to take the back foot eventually. Right. And it was Barboza who ended up having to do that. Um, a lot of Giga's success, in my opinion, came from actually being able to control the center of the octagon. We've seen when Barboza gets hurt, he has a really, really bad tell where he, even if, John, you can just think about it whenever you think of Barboza getting finished, he's always has his back right against the cage, yeah. circling, circling, circling. He can't seem to get uh, out of that range. And it felt like the whole fight he was in that groove. And it, yeah. I had a bit of mental sign for him, too, to know that he was definitely in trouble. Um, I did think that Barboza looked a little bit slower. Not too, too much. I mean, maybe I'm grasping at straws here, but I, I thought that he looked a little bit slower than usual. Um, mm-hmm. And Giga definitely timed Barboza well, but he didn't necessarily outspeed Edson. You know, mm-hmm. I, I thought, if anything, Giga just you know, was really well um prepared for barboza he studied his tape well he knew his tells and uh he made him pay on several occasions and of course he got the finish yeah so this is um edson barboza's fourth fight since moving down to uh, featherweight previously lightweight i think for his entire career i don't believe he ever fought in any other class but the uh the lightweight class uh he moves down to featherweight he has let's see i think he's two and four now or two and two i'm sorry or no he's yeah, no, two and uh, I think he's even one and three. Lost a bunch to of close fights in there. Yeah, yeah, definitely some good fights. Lost, uh, beat Maquan, lost to Ige, lost to Ed's, uh, 
no, beat Shane Burgos. Oh, yeah, of course, the Shane Burgos fight. How can you forget that? That weird-ass knockout. And then, of course, loses to Giga Chagatsi here. Um, Giga Chagatsi, though, what I want to say about him is that he's very quickly moving up this these ranks. Um, and I'm looking at this featherweight division, right? We've talked about this. I believe we talked about it last week as well uh, when we were previewing this matchup coming up. A lot of guys that uh, are open for fights right now, especially yeah. in the top 10. So I think we talked about possibly uh, Arnold Allen fighting him. I like that fight. It's a super interesting fight. Um, I'm not sure if he's scheduled to fight already. He might be. I, I can't remember. He's not. My, I heard something very recently about him. Maybe it wasn't a fight schedule, but uh, maybe something they're looking at. Of course, Josh Emmett. He poses a huge threat. Calvin Cater. We still haven't heard anything from him. We don't know if he's even awake yet. Um, we, of course, have Yaya Rodriguez is getting ready to fight. Ryan Ortega, Max Holloway. And Chan Sung Jung. I don't believe Korean Zombie has a fight book, does he? He does uh, not, no. Off the top of my head, that's a fucking good fight, too. So a lot of uh, options for Giga here at um, at Featherweight. And, of course, he's only 14-2. and two, And I say only 14-2, and two, meaning that he's kind of very rapidly ranked. Uh, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Racked up a couple wins here in a row. Yeah. Uh, I want to say he's on three or four fight wins. It might even be better than that. Looks like he's on five or... Six fight win streak? Yeah, let's let's see. I think it's a six fight win streak right now. Yeah, Barbosa was a six win. Yeah, so very impressive. Six wins in a row at Featherweight, especially we you know how good this division is. Um I'd be very surprised if he's not contending for the belt very soon if he keeps getting wins like this. I'd say I don't know, maybe two, three more fights and he should be fighting for the belt. I've seen a lot of people online saying that the next fight for Giga Chikazi should be. And by the way, I'm going to say his name a million different times, and it's going to be different every single time. Yeah, a lot, I see a lot of people saying that Josh Emmett should be next for for uh, Giga, but in my opinion, Josh Emmett he's he's not really like um he's not really like a, a takedown threat that I'm really like looking for Giga to be able to defend because that's really it for me because I know that Giga can strike. He's a decorated kickboxer. He came from that kickboxing background and then transitioned into box into a UFC kind of like think of Israel Adesanya the same kind of path, right? Yeah. So what's next for me is we haven't seen Giga really challenged grappling wise. Um, so I want to see someone bring that to him. Arnold Allen can bring that to Giga Chikasi, no problem. And we can, we can go from there and we can rate him as a more well-rounded mixed martial artist. Because if you remember when Izzy first started out, right, he kind of yep. performed in a couple of matchups that were mostly striking, but that was because of the constant threat of the takedown, the clinch, the, all these other different factors when you go in MMA. Um, all the reports that I've read and heard of Giga Shikasi transitioned <coughs> very, very well, um, mm-hmm. at a rapid pace that people aren't used to seeing when kickboxers come over to MMA, it takes them a couple of years, but it seems like Giga's really, uh, progressed along very well with that. He's not tentative. He's very aggressive. He's very willing to get out there and strike and stand in the pocket with guys. So I want to see Giga Shikasi when he's faced the adversity on the ground. And I think mm-hmm. Arn Allen would be a better option than Josh Emmett. Uh, in that case, I think that. Josh Emma should fight Calvin Cater because yeah. they're both going to be coming back at the start of 20, uh, 2022. That fight makes sense to me. Another fight that makes sense to me, just while we're on the topic of featherweight match ranking, is yeah. Edson Barboza fighting Ilya Tulpuria, which if mm. you don't remember that name, he just recently defeated Ryan Hall at UFC 264. Yeah, I think impressive. that's a great matchup because not only can Ilya submit you on the ground, he's a very high-level black belt, he's also willing to strike too. So him versus Edson, that's a great fight. And Edson also is no slouch on the ground. Right. Um, I, I think uh, Edson Barboza, obviously, 
I think Ilya Zapora's ground game got just overshadowed by fighting Ryan Hall because obviously we know Ryan Hall right. is a wizard, no pun intended, on the ground. I mean, he's as good as it gets when it comes to jujitsu. Uh, but Ilya Zapora is also, I mean, a world class uh, Brazilian jujitsu black belt. I mean, as, basically as good as it gets. I think Ryan Hall is the gold standard for jujitsu. Of course, there's other guys. Um, his name is escaping me right now, but he's a professional jujitsu. Um, I don't know if you want to call him a fighter, but uh, artist maybe. Who knows? Uh, Dylan Dennis? No. Uh, yeah. No. Dylan Dennis. <laughs> uh, God damn it. I can't remember the guy's name. Some white guy. I can't remember his fucking name now. Is it Clark or something? I don't know. I'll figure it out. It'll come to me. Um, but I think Ilya Tapura's ground game just got overshadowed by how good Ryan Hall's ground game is. Uh, not that Edson is a problem on the ground either, but I do think he's below Ilya Tapura. Uh, what I'll say about Giga Chigazi is that I, he just seems to be a, a sponge for fighting, you know. Uh, the way he's advanced his different styles, the way he's upgraded his uh, different weapons that he has. It, it seems whenever he's taught something, he learns it and then masters it so quickly. And I, I agree with you. Yes. I'd like to see him fight someone with um, a greater takedown threat like an Arnold Allen. Like, uh, I think a Chad Sung Jung would be a very tough matchup for him. Uh, we know how dangerous he is on the ground. He's got one of two twisters, I think, in UFC history. Uh, just, uh, it, it, he's someone you don't want to go to the ground with, but also someone you don't want to stand with. I think that's a fantastic stylistic matchup uh, between these two guys. And it also would just continue to um, show that Giga Chigazi is here to stay at the featherweight division if he could pull off a win. And if he doesn't pull off the win, then Chan Sung Jung's right back in the conversation in the top four. Uh, possibly going up another rank over Yair Rodriguez, if uh, depending on how Yair's fight goes. Uh, with all that being said, too, we obviously have this division's been held up for a while with COVID, um, the Ultimate Fighter, uh, stuff like that. We know that there is going to be a title fight very soon. Uh, I, is Max Holloway scheduled to fight? I should probably look these things up before we start recording. But I mean, he is not scheduled to fight because his fight with Yair fell out. Right, so it's like, now you got Max Holloway sitting right there. That's obviously an extremely tough fight for Giga Chigazi and probably not the fight they're going to make next. But, uh, I mean, that's an exciting fight as well. I think there's this just endless opportunities for this kid and the way he's been tearing apart this featherweight division, which is one of the toughest divisions in the UFC right now. I'd say probably top two, maybe top three, uh, is extremely impressive. And I, I don't see it slowing down at any point because I don't really think I favor anybody from – below the top three against him. Wow. I mean, below the top three. I don't have the rankings in front of me. Is Korean Zombie in the top three right now? I don't think Korean so. Korean Zombie's number four. What about Zabit Magomedsharov? Um, Zabit is unranked. Yes. That's why I brought it up because I knew that he was one of the guys who wouldn't be in the top three. Your top three right now is Ortega, Volkanovski, and Holloway. Those guys are all world class. I kind of think that they're ahead of the pack a little bit. Rodriguez is also there. Where's your year, Rodriguez? He's number three. Oh, so wait. I'm, yeah, I forgot the champion doesn't count. Champion, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, so. Um, yeah, in my opinion, um, out of the top guys that I can think of, I think that Zabit's a really tough matchup for Giga, especially because we don't know how he looks on the ground. We know how much of a submission threat Zabit is. Um, but also, like you mentioned, Cheng Sung Jung's a crazy tough fight, but it's also yeah. a really entertaining fight. Not only that, Imagine if you're Giga Chikasi and you get a win over the Korean zombie. That's what I'm saying. You skyrocket from there. If you want to get to the, the title in as few fights as possible, that's yeah. your route. But what, does UFC want that? There's a bunch of different kind of um, 
agendas we have to look at when they play in a matchmaking. Look, I'm not going to complain about anyone fighting anyone at 145 just because that division is so stacked. There's right. a bunch of exciting strikers there. They're all great fights. You really can't go wrong. So I just don't see yeah, how it's a I, loss for the UFC, you know? What, any kind of matchmaking that they do? Uh, oh, more specifically, him versus Korean Zombie. Yeah, I mean, you know. I think everybody wins there. Everyone wins except who loses, you know? I suppose so, yes, but. Uh, but that is, I mean, that is technically the case in every match, but, you know. Right. I, um, uh, well, my point is seems... that it's not like a, uh, this is not like a matchup where it'd be like Chan Sung Jung versus like um, Shane Burgos or something, where it's like Shane Burgos might jump up th- to uh, spots in the ranking and then it's a shitty loss for Ch- Korean Zombie. I think it's a very right. tough matchup for both guys. Regardless of who wins, it's a massive win for both of them, you know? It's not just yeah. like a throwaway fight. And I'm, I want to be careful with how I say this because I don't know anything for sure. But <laughs> if, we're, if we're to look at trends, right, mm-hmm. um, the UFC is hounding that Asian market, right? Um, mm-hmm. Zhang Wei Li, when she fought in Jacksonville, there was like three, the first three fights on the undercard were all Chinese fighters who came over. Uh, yep. They just built the new Chinese Performance Institute. Obviously, yep. the zombies from Korea, but that Asian market is the still market, huge. Yeah. That Asian market is massive. And I don't think that they want to give uh, the Korean zombie any unfavorable matchups with a guy like Giga, who is dangerous, young, fast, tough as nails. Like that's a tough matchup for the zombie, right? And if you're the UFC, you're in the business of making money more than anything else. And you, the, the way you make the most money with these guys at the top is to keep a guy like Korean zombie who brings in a different market they usually don't get to tap into around for longer. And so that's about, why. Uh... Song Young Dong, kids, uh, fighters like that. It's, it's all right. these, like you're right about this Asian market. Um, I can't remember his name. Samara, Samara De, I forget how to say it. Samara Deji, I think is that how you say it. He's at 125. He's a, uh, he's he's not right, but I remember seeing him fight maybe a year or so ago, and he was fucking fantastic too. Another right addition to the Asian market. Yeah, so that's the only reason I would have some hesitation on that matchmaking. But I mean, I could be wrong. They could view it differently and. They match it up next week, and I'd look like a fool. Yeah, I mean, we could have both like fucking idiots after this. Who knows what they want to do? Yeah, we usually do. So it's <laughs> speaking of the Asian market, we'll move on here to the next topic: Rose Nama Yunus versus Zhang Weili. Two is official, I believe, right? I think it is it official. It was on the broadcast, in. Yes. and is that going to be at the NYC card? It is. It's going to be the co-main Usman Covington two. How goddamn good is this fucking New York card? Oh Rose is goodness. back at the garden. How about I mean, that? this card is ridiculous. Ridiculous. I don't really, I can't remember if it was you who sent me it or if it was Jeff. One of you two sent me this fucking, yeah, it was you. I'll just read this off real quick, even though we're a little ways out. It's not until November. We have Kamara Usman versus Kobe Covington, two at the main event. Rose Namajunas versus Zhangwei Lee, the rematch at Komain. Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. Sean Strickland versus Luke Rockhold. Frankie Edgar versus Marlon Vera. Jerrine Durandamy versus Irene Alanda, and then Al Iaquinta versus Bobby Green. That is your main event. I mean, that is your main card. Seven fight main card. I mean, that is as stacked as a card gets. It's unbelievable. And you want to talk Isn't about that a, crazy? I know. You want to talk about a card that, I mean, a, a fight that could easily be the main event. It's this one, too, if it wasn't for Kamara Usman and Colby Covington. Um, a super interesting matchup. We obviously know how the first matchup went. Fantastic uh, research done by Rose on Unis' team. And uh, it ultimately leads to the head kick knockout, her returning to the strawweight uh, division or the strawweight championship. I believe it's strawweight, right? Did I make that up? Yes, strawweight. strawweight. 
um, regaining the strawweight throne in fantastic fashion style point. I believe, no, that was a different fight, but as many, is it, was it that fight? Anik said as many style points as I can. You can produce. Oh, he says it a million times. Was that real time <laughs> to use? Yeah, I can't remember. But no, he said that about Connor beating Cowboy. He said it before. Oh, yeah, about, I think you're right. He said it a couple times. That's all right. It's a good line. Nevertheless, a fantastic fight. Obviously, a great finish for Rose. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Was she working with Trevor Whitman for that fight, too? Who, Rose Namunas? Yeah. Yes, that is her head coach. Right. So, I mean, how long is she? This is fairly new, right? Because wasn't Pat Barry her head coach for a long time? Uh, I I could be wrong, but I think around the time that she first uh, got the belt, she went to Trevor Whitman. Okay. So, I mean, she's been there for a while now. Again, I say this at nauseam, but we have spoken at nauseam about how good Trevor Whitman is. That is no secret. That doesn't need to even be said. It's being said nevertheless. Ah, it just shows to show the X factor that Trevor Whitman brings to any fight that he is involved in. Um, you can go back and you can watch. It's the same thing because it's the same. I, that was UFC 260? 260. 261 was in Jacksonville. That was the same night as um, Masvidal Usman. Yes. And it's two guys, or two fighters, both working with Trevor Whitman, and both perfect examples of how deep his research goes. He goes in, looks at just the slightest little training camp videos over the opponent, finds the mistake, the mistake of the weird, I don't know what Zhang Wei Li is doing with her hips, but it was odd, and it definitely stuck out once you watch the video. And now you can go back if you haven't seen this before you should go back and look this up um i don't even know how you would look this up but you can see zhang Li doing this weird thing with her hips uh when there's a kick coming at her and it's just perfect timing they break it down he says when she does this you should do that that's what rose does knocks her out same thing happened to kamara usman um they go back to one time the one other time that hori mouse has been finished it was in the exact same way that kamara usman did right so it just goes to show how much how important doing your deep diligent research is and how it can ultimately lead to one title defense and then one new title uh or one new champion yeah and side note when you hear a fun fact about trevor whitman so back in 261 jacksonville like we were just talking about uh kamaro defended in the main event against masvidal rose then retained her belt against john whaley in the co-main that two fights in a row um, Trevor Whitman has sit in the red corner and coach back to back. He will he will up that feat in November in New York because Justin Gaethje will be mm. the will be the event before the co-main. So he'll sit down in the red corner for three straight fights. I think he might just bring a lawn chair, and just hang out. Yeah, he might he might just hang out there, not even go to the locker room at that point. Right? I know. So yeah, uh, yeah, you can't you can't ever knock the. Um, the work ethic of Trevor Whitman, but no. to get back to the fight, I mean, this yeah. is a huge, huge add to an already stacked card. Right. Um, um, it's a little bit disappointing for Carla Esparza because she really should have got the next shot. If we're looking at this just from a pure uh, sport perspective, mm-hmm. um, obviously, like we were just talking about, the Asian market's huge. Jean Wei in a rematch of a fight with Rose Amiunas, two of the best strawweights to ever do it. That's a huge draw compared to someone like Carlos Sparza who doesn't really bring as many eyes. So that's really the main reason that Zhang Weili got an immediate rematch here. Um, I think it's important to say that Weili should not necessarily be favored. Uh, I yeah. think the odds right now have Rose as a slight favorite. 
However, it's important to note that Zhang Weili is being a little bit underrated because of her last performance. Uh, obviously, like you spoke about just now, uh, Rose made a calculated maneuver because she saw right. something in the, in the movement of Zhang Weili, Trevor Whitman, mm-hmm. they had drilled that. So that's why she got caught with that early. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's an easy enough adjustment to make where I feel like that won't right. be much of a factor in the next fight. And obviously, heading into that fight, did you pick Rose? I'm going to use by first minute head kick KO. Like I didn't, I, I don't think any, anyone did, but no, I, I had, I had really winning this fight by a decision. Yeah. So, and a lot of people said that Rose would give her problems and fair enough. She definitely did, but we can all come to agreement that that fight should be much closer than like a two minute head kick KO, you know, like, so that's, that's why I don't have a problem with the rematch. I still think it's going to be a fantastic fight. Um, also important to note, Rose Amuse is now the champ. She just beat um, Zhang Weili with a highlight reel KO, which was a huge moment that we both talked right. about ad nauseum how much we loved it. Um, and she has already fought at MSG once, and that matters for this fight. Did she end up fighting? Huh? Was that, well, didn't she pull out of that? Wasn't that the Connor Buss incident? Or am I making that up too? That was Brooklyn. That was Brooklyn. Okay. okay. She fought, she uh, won the belt the first time against Joanna Jonchechek at Madison Square Garden. That was in MSG, well. Yeah, that was UFC 217. But okay. uh, like I was saying, that matters a lot because uh, Zhang Weili, admittedly so, in her own opinion, she lost the last fight because of mental issues. Because mm-hmm. Chris Weidman had just broke his leg a few fights before her, and then she had to deal with that and think about that going out. To be fair, Rose has to deal with that too. But Zhang Weili is still a valid excuse. Also, she had to travel the furthest out of anybody to get to the event. Right. She was coming from China. This was her right. first fight since uh the pandemic you know there was a lot of there's a lot of things going in also she was getting booed the whole week for no reason like literally for no reason i don't know why anyone has a problem with zhang weili especially coming off the fight against yoani on like how can you not love zhang weili um but that's neither here nor there she had a lot of stuff going on outside of the cage that she believes contributed to her loss and um i think i think we're in for a much better second fight honestly yeah i agree i think we're in for a much more calculated and better second fight too uh as far as the prediction goes i really don't know what i think about this fight because i thought about the first one uh i, I the way i was looking at it was like zen is just she, she seems like a different kind of fighter especially in the female realm i mean she's just a warrior I, after you watch the fight with yoana you know like how could you not think that this girl could beat anyone on the planet i mean it's right it was just an absolute war it goes to the late it goes all it goes to the decision five rounds of just non-stop non-stop pace non-stop pace like no breaths nothing i think there might have been a takedown or two maybe uh, that's it though uh with this fight i don't know because it's it's i, I can't betting against trevor whitman is like i mean he's <laughs> tom brady fourth quarter LeBron fourth quarter, Andre Vasilevsky third period, David Ortiz bottom. Like he's just, you just can't bet it. I can't bet against him. I really can't bet against him. It's not even about Rose. It's more about him because I know he's going to go there. He's gonna give her uh, the tools to win. What is the devil's advocate? What do you, what do you, you always have one of these. Could Trevor Woman be spreading himself too thin? His top three students all so. fighting in a row? I don't think Could that so. be a problem. Because think about think that. So. How are you going to schedule your camp? Three people. I mean, you can do sessions together, right? Trevorman doesn't have a huge camp. Like you'll see at ATT or right. AKA or one of these big gyms and right back in a row, bang, bang, bang. And it's easy for one of these fighters to say to themselves, Hey, like, is my coach really paying attention to me? Am I a priority? I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying right. it's a valid point that needs to be considered. If you're thinking about, Oh, Trevor Woman can't lose 
Obviously he can, you know, just Gaethje's coming off a loss right now. Rose right. had lost the belt previously and Kamaru Usman's his own kind of thing. So we'll leave him right. alone. But Trevor Whitman is as good as it gets. I think he should be coach of the year, honestly. hundred percent. But, you know, you, you definitely can't count out uh, Zhang Weili because obviously she's dangerous no. as hell. And this is obviously a super close matchup. So you can't go wrong with a pick either way. The way I look at, uh, I, I think he's just so like, you look at the way he breaks down fights and the way he uh, gets ready, gets his fighters ready for things. I think he's just so calculated that he's just, I, I yeah. can't imagine he doesn't have things under control. Also, we're talking about three fantastic fighters, one champ, two current champions. Um, that can, I, I think Kamara Usman, like you said, you can pretty much leave him alone. He can do his thing. He'll help when he needs to help. Uh, Justin Gaethje the same way. At the end of the day, Justin Gaethje is going to come down to just like, if need be, just get the shit kicked out of him and then fucking figure it out from there. Um, I think who really needs the most help is Rose, even though she's super talented and everything like that we just know about the behind the scenes, the mental issues, things like that. Uh, how can he convince her I mean, like we saw in the last fight, that she's the best. I, I, I think it's mostly Rose doing it, but I think in part-time, partly as well, it is Trevor Whitman. I think he's a huge factor in that. Uh, not just her ability to fight and game plan, but her ability to believe in herself and things uh, of the like. So I, I don't know. It's an interesting point. Maybe he is spreading himself too thin. I feel like this is probably i can't imagine this is that he's done this before three fighters all in a row on the same card especially a card of this caliber especially with fighters in the positions that all these fighters are in um i, I we'll have to wait and see i guess we'll have to wait and see because it is an interesting point but they also have a ton of time to prepare for this so uh it, it really depends how he's setting up his camps and how he's executing and how much time he has and uh i, I think obviously these three guys have to be uh your main focus for the next few months until this card comes up and there's plenty of time. So we'll have to see. Yeah. So I, I guess we will see, but you know, all else we will see is Charles Oliveira defend his belt against Dustin Poirier yes, we will. at UFC 269 on December 11th in maybe Las Vegas. That's the plan maybe. as of right now is unconfirmed. Um, but both sides have verbally agreed to about, they just have not signed the official uh, contracts yet. So, John, what do you think about that matchup? I fucking love this matchup. I think uh, I, 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 it's so, it's so, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's so, like, I, I think interesting doesn't even do it justice. It, this is the fight uh, as soon as the Connor fight ended. Um, what are they on? Fucking fight six now, whatever it was. Uh, whenever that fight ended, I, the, my first immediate thought was, like, holy shit, he's going to fight Oliveira. I love this matchup. Yeah. I love this. It, it's so balanced. It's so well balanced in every facet of it. I think the only where the only place there is an edge is Oliveira uh, on the ground. Obviously, most submission mm. wins in UFC history. Um, I would assume the most submissions in lightweight history. I assume he's somewhere pretty close, if not at the top. Uh, so he's definitely a threat on the ground, but Dustin Poirier, we saw him almost choke on Khabib too. So it's like it's close on the ground. I think I get the slight edge to Oliveira. On this on the feet, though, I give the advantage to Poirier all day. So um, I'm super excited for this matchup, and I don't even know where to start trying to predict how things go. I, I, I really have no idea. Uh, gun to my head, I think Charles Oliveira uh, fights a very good fight, but Dustin Poirier ultimately gets it done by decision. Damn. It's tough. I, I'm, I'm trying really hard. That's gun to my this. head initial reaction. So Okay. We won't hold you to it, though. Yeah. I'd have, have to really think about it. 
I'm I'm trying really hard not to fall into the category of just calling it like, oh, well, Charles is better on the ground, but Dustin's good on the feet. So I guess we'll see what happens because it's really more complicated than that because mm-hmm. Charles has a vastly more diverse and effective kicking game than Dustin Poirier. That mm-hmm. we can say for sure. We can also say in the same breath for just as certain that Dustin Poirier has much better boxing credentials than Charles Oliveira, right? Um, yeah. Both of them are Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belts. Um, however, Oliveira has the most submissions in UFC history. He is also, I believe, a higher degree black belt. Um, but it's also important to distinguish the fact that their styles on the ground are completely different because Poirier yeah. comes from a wrestling background in which yeah. most of his submissions will come when he's able to have top dominant control. Um, he's more so um, a very good defensive jujitsu player rather than an offensive one. And Charles Oliveira is the complete opposite. He is an extremely active uh, jujitsu player on the ground. He is not known for his defensive uh, jujitsu. He's been submitted a couple of times. However, he does have the most uh, submissions in UFC history for a reason. He's always searching for something interesting. And that's why I really, really want to see these guys get on the ground. Because another thing that people say about Charles Oliveira a lot is that he's way, way stronger than people think he is, especially going up to 145 before. So I want to see how... Uh, Dustin Poirier handles that, especially when they get in the clinch. However, on the feet, I think Charles Oliveira is going to have some success early. You uh, being able to utilize his kicks to keep Dustin at bay, that mm-hmm. keep kick to the body. He throws very, very well front kicks, switch kicks. Um, you know, he, he has a lot of tools to, to put out here. Um, but we don't know necessarily how Charles Oliveira looks in a five round fight. We haven't seen mm-hmm. him go distance. We haven't seen him challenge late in the fight. Mm-hmm. You know who we have seen is Dustin Poirier. Poirier. We know exactly how Poirier looks. Battle-tested, uh, paid in full, all those great things. This fight favors Dustin Poirier the later that it goes, and that'll be true for basically every single Poirier matchup. Yeah. Um, I think Poirier can give Charles some problems on the ground. When Poirier denies the third submission in a row, what does that do to Charles' head? You know, we, We've heard Charles having mental issues before. Um, when Dustin provides some resistance and they go later in the rounds, what does that do to Charles? Not only physical state, his cardio, but his mind. Um, a lot of people are counting Charles out, though, obviously because Dustin Poirier is on such a rise right now. When you beat the biggest star in the sport back-to-back and you finish him both times, you're going to have some hype that comes with you, obviously. Um, I, I think battle-tested at championship level, Dustin Poirier's going to be able to get it done later in the fight. However, it doesn't necessarily mean that while they're dry early on, that Charles can't lock something in. And even still, it goes late. Who knows? Um, Charles Oliveira could hit him with a kick, or even with his hands. Aren't they're pretty underrated, but just not on Dustin Poirier's level. We've seen it happen before. I mean, I, this this is fight is just straight pick one to me. However, to steal your quote, gun to head, I'm going to pick Dustin Poirier late in the fight. Yeah. So the interesting thing for me, I think the most interesting part of this matchup is what does Dustin's chin look like? Because we said we saw it get tested against Connor, right? I, I think I'm trying yeah. to think back. I don't know who's the last person to finish Dustin Poirier besides Michael Johnson. Team. Was it Michael Johnson? I thought I was going to say Michael Johnson, Johnson got like a flash first round uh, knockout. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the last loss before Habib. Right. So it's like, dude. Now you look at the fucking fight versus Gaethje. You look at the fight versus uh, Eddie Alvarez. You look at the fight versus Dan Hooker. It's like, I mean, these are fucking fights that take years off most guys' careers. And it just, yeah. it, 
it doesn't seem like there's anything that can put Dustin Poirier away. So I think much like what you said, this fight has to go to the ground if Charles Oliveira wants a chance of winning. And he's got to be diligent down there because uh, he can get choked out too. And Dustin Poirier is just so goddamn strong and he's so wide and he's a tough guy to, um, he's a tough guy to maneuver around on the ground, especially with that wrestling background. So it, it, it's going to have to be an offensive fight from Charles Oliveira and um, an offensive submissive fight too. So, or submission fight, I guess is the better word. Like if he's going to uh, take Dustin down, he's got to go for shit right away. There shouldn't be any waiting around. Um, obviously when you're down on the ground, I feel like sometimes guys are tired. They're just trying to survive. I don't think you, you can't give Dustin Poirier a minute of peace if you want to win this fight. I never say this, and I hate when people say it, but I'm going to say it. this fight, there is no way it's boring. There is no possible way. No. Because even if it does go to the ground, Charles Oliveira is a monster, as is Poirier. We're going to see constant action no matter what in this fight until somebody breaks. It's, it's just going to be one of those fights. Um, you know, obviously, like we've talked about on the feet, Dustin Poirier's boxing ability, he always gets in there, throws a lot of heavy combinations, multiple, multiple shots in these combinations. Um, and Charles Oliveira's kicking game is as aesthetically pleasing as it comes by. So no matter what, if this ends up on the feet or the ground, going late, ending early, this is going to be a great fight no matter what. Uh, this is also just like a fun question. I feel like we've asked a couple of times. If Charles Oliveira pulls this off, right? Yep. Hall of Famer. What do you think? Yeah, we've talked about it a couple of times, and I always bring myself back to, like, what constitutes a, a Hall of Fame career in the UFC? Like, if you win the belt, I feel like you should be in, right? Even I think if you're you win the belt, champion. multiple defenses, and most submission wins of all time. It's like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most submission know? wins of all time. Uh, he's fought at two weight classes. That counts for something. You can you beat, know? If you could beat this Dustin Poirier, too. This guy, on a, what is he on? Like, a nine-fight win streak or something? And yeah, Jesus. and even still, uh, well, now he lost. Well, actually, two, so it's just three. Two. So. Okay, so it's what eight of his last nine or something? Or... Yeah. yeah, yeah. But even still, without the Poirier win, if he were to lose, I think he'd still be a Hall of Famer because he beat Michael Chandler. Uh, mm -hmm. Michael Chandler was a world champion multiple times over in the second biggest organization for years. So yeah. that's a huge one that gets you to the Hall of Fame. Also, let's not forget who he beat to get here, Tony Ferg. Ferguson, one of the best flyweights to never win the belt, was right. on the craziest 12-fight win streak. We thought he was going to be the guy who would give uh, the best lightweight ever, Habib Nurmagomedov, problems. Right. Charles Oliveira is a Hall of Famer with or without this fight. This, honestly, in my opinion, now, see, I didn't even know what a Hall of Famer constitutes. Now I have such a strong opinion on it. Charles <laughs> Oliveira is in the Hall of Fame no matter what. You think? Okay. I, I agree. I think he's a Hall of Famer as well. Uh, yeah. Moving on here real quick, unless you have anything else about that. No, let's go right ahead. Nothing. All right. Brandon Moreno versus, um, God fucking damn it, Pantoja. I can't think of his first name. Brandon Moreno's first Alexander. title defense, Alexander Pantoja, will be at UFC 269 as well on December 11th. Um, fucking stoked for this fight as well. This is a fantastic fight. Oh, my God. Well, this is this is technically a trilogy because Pantoja has, to be, has defeated Moreno on um, mm -hmm. The Ultimate Fighter via submission. Yeah. Um, then after that, they both were in the UFC on the undercard of uh, Maya versus Usman fight night. Um, and Pantoja once again beat Moreno by, mm. um, by decision. So the question that I have is, does Pantoja have Moreno's number? Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, 
I would say as of right now, yes, but this is a long time ago you're talking about. Right. I mean, the last time they fought was when Usman was ranked below Damian Maya. I mean, think right. about how long or how many things have happened since then. Right. Um, my opinion on that would be, I think Marino has improved a ton since their last bout. Um, he's undefeated in his second UFC run because, as we know, he got cut by the UFC, then reinstated. Then once he reinvented himself, he blew up and now has become the first Mexican-born uh, champion. Um, I wonder how many people have done that. Been cut and, been and then come back. And cut then and then come back champion. and be champion? He was the first. He was okay, the first. That, that does not happen. Um, uh, the big takeaway from, from that for me was that Moreno's ground game has improved so much. And I also thought back um, when I thought about uh, Moreno's fight, his second fight against uh, Davis and Figueredo, mm-hmm. I thought, would Pantoja be able to control Figueredo the way that Moreno did? I don't think so. I don't think, I don't so. think he would be able to do that at that high level. No. Um, however, that still doesn't mean that Pantoja is going to lose this fight necessarily because as we know, styles make matchups. But at this point, I think that we're going to see a lot of what we saw in the Izzy versus um, our Matoy fight too where everyone said, oh, it was a really close fight last time. He's got the style to beat Izzy, blah, blah, blah. And then we saw a total outclassing by Adesanya. And that's because these guys, when they, when these guys get over the hump, when Brendan Marino gets over the hump, when Izzy gets over the hump, when George Masvidal gets over the hump, they f- find another part of their game that elevates them so much to the point where former opponents, people who thought that they were who they were, just their entire perspective has changed because they're yeah. vastly different fighters now. And Brendan Moreno's example of that, he's so much better than when he was cut by the UFC uh, that first time. Now he's the champion for a reason. So I think this is a great opportunity for Brendan Moreno to right that wrong with Pantoja. Um, But if not, I mean, Alexander Pantoja, you got to feel pretty good if you're him coming in, right? Because you're facing the champion. You've beaten twice already. So it's an interesting fight. There's a lot of different narratives going on. Right, exactly. What do you think? So I I think Brendan Moreno is just like, uh, obviously, I mean, like I just said, you want to talk about a chip on your shoulder, a guy who comes in, gets cut, comes back, becomes champion, uh, in his second fight too, with the current, with the champion at the time, uh, the first fight, very close. I think, I don't know if you could argue that he won it, but he was very, very close. Uh, yeah. I, and then it's, it's giving me a vibe of like, uh, uh, Francis Ngannou versus Stipe the second time, just a vastly different improve, a massive improvements from the first fight. Um, it, it looks like a completely different fighter, or I shouldn't say a completely different fighter because he fought a very good fight in the first fight. Uh, but just when he when he comes back, similar to how what I said about Giga Jagatsi, he's just a sponge. He learned all the little things that he had to correct from the first fight. He did it perfectly. Ends up finishing the uh, the champion. I know there was some controversy that maybe Figueredo uh, wasn't making weight easy and he was dehydrated out of it for the fight whatever you can say whatever you want i mean he's been making the weight for a while he's champion for a while um tough weight cl- tough weight cut or not it's still a super impressive victory for figueredo i mean um for moreno and i i like pantoja too i've been talking about him for a while i think he's really good i i think he's um what's the word i'm looking for here he's just uh, for lack of a better phrase he's on a tear right now He's kind of someone who's uh, not the big name yet, but he's right there in the top four rankings. You always have Askar Askarov above him, um, Alex Perez, Joseph Benavidez, Brandon Royal, um, a bunch of very good fighters here at flyweight. But it's it's such a top-heavy division 
that I think this is going to be this. We're going to see these matchups over and over and over. I think, um, and I think of the top five, top seven, besides Stevenson Figueredo and Askar Askarov, I think Alex, uh, Alexander Pantoja has the best chance to become champion. However, I don't think he wins this fight. Can I throw one name at you that you didn't mention? Cody Garbrandt is moving down yeah. to flyweight. That so mean, that would be something. In my opinion, this booking of Moreno versus Pantoja, it cleared the way for Davidson Figueredo to face off against Askar Askarov in a number one contender bout. Yeah. Yep. Which would also, I mean, I will never fantastic. complain. That's a fantastic matchup. But it does kind of leave Cody Garbrandt out, um, out by himself here. Who, who does he fight next? I mean, there's so many guys there, but at the end of the day, not a lot of them are at high level. You know, flyweight's kind of top heavy. Like you said, those top guys are gonna end up fighting each other a lot because this division is just it's just a little little stale. Um, right. Yeah. But you know, Fiz, uh, Figgy versus Askarov is a great fight. Cody yeah. Garbrandt versus anybody's a good fight. I would not be surprised if somehow, some way, Cody Garbrandt jumped the line and just got a title shot. Uh, yeah, that nowhere. wouldn't surprise me either. But it's interesting to think about and keep him in mind when you're thinking about flyaway in the future. I can't believe he's going to try to make 125. Has he done that before? He's a small band weight. He hasn't really cut a he lot of weight. He's a small uh, band weight, but good for Lord. 135. So he was like, he, his thought process was TJ tried to cut down when he shouldn't have. He's a huge band weight. Right. Um, he can make, but Cody knows he can make that cut easy. He just kind of prefers not cutting weight. And think about Cody Garbrandt with a size advantage. What yeah, would that do? That, so. I think he would tear apart this flyweight division. It's it's what I'm. He'd be a massive saying. flyweight. I, I think it, he would be huge, right? He'd so yeah, I think it's an yeah. interesting. He's an interesting player at 125. So we'll see. And he has a speed to mash him too. Don't forget that. That's huge. He's probably got the fastest hands in the UFC right now, besides maybe Jose Aldo. I, I can't argue. Yeah. Uh, we got a bunch of other shit to talk about as well here. Where are you gonna? Do we want to talk about Jade Paul first, or do we want to? Continue on this year. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Yeah, Jake yeah, Paul we'll, versus we'll Tyron we'll Woodley nice breakout. Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm not going to lie. I didn't watch this shit. I think it's fucking stupid. Um, I was going to ask. I don't. I didn't think that you watched. Yeah. I saw this was like, oh, I'll just go on Twitter tomorrow and then see anything that was meaningful. Um, I, the only thing I can talk about really is uh, what's it called? The, the I don't even know what round, what round was it when Tyron Woodley almost finished him. Oh, round four when he got knocked against the ropes. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't yeah. just finish him, but I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't have a ton to say about this one, to be honest. Yeah, you didn't see it. It's all I, right. Yeah, I, mean, I didn't watch it. I, I think the, I don't know. the the numbers aren't out yet, but whether we like it or not, this was a huge pay per view event, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, so it makes sense that we talk about it. It makes sense that people care about it. So when I see people like talking down on people for wanting to see what happens in this fight and enjoy this fight, listen, this is combat sports. People watch WWE, people who fake wrestle in underwear and like say scripts and stuff. And I don't make fun of them, but I think it's a little dorky. Okay. So just let people be, let people enjoy Tyra Woodley and Jake Paul and Tyra getting a big payday also. And then you can move Right. Yeah. So anyways. I think it's just like, this. It's worn on me. The Jake Paul thing. Yeah. I don't care. Anyways, this is <laughs> the perfect. <laughs> this, this, ended the, 
this ended in the best way possible. Yeah. Because. Oh, yeah. The, the, the best part was the before and after. I think <laughs> it's like, oh, the build up in the post night. Oh my God. This could not have ended any better, right? Okay. Yeah. So let's think about this. Jake yeah. Paul. Paul got down the ropes. By the way, Tyron Woodley got robbed of a knockdown. In in boxing, when the when the ropes hold you up and you get hit against the ropes like that by a big shot, that's a knockdown. Tyron should yeah, have gotten right. an extra points. But either way, he would have lost the fight still in the decision. It doesn't really matter. But he deserves that credit. Yeah. Um, so that satisfies the Paul haters because now there's going to be forever that image of Tyron staying right. right over Jake as he's leaning against the ropes, looking like he doesn't know where he is. So people love that. So if, yeah. it, if you bought the pay-per-view to hate on Jake Paul, you got what you wanted. Tyron lost. So Jake's fans can be happy, and he proved himself against a legitimate UFC champion. Yeah. And now his show can continue wherever that may be, whatever next fight there is for him. Um, I, if, if you want to know my honest opinion, I'm, I don't know too, too much about boxing. Um, I have watched people stand up with their hands and swing at each other a couple of right. times, so I do know a little bit. Uh, Tyron Woodley... I just I did not see enough volume from him at all. He did not when we had Jake Paul, no, like, he did, he, like you yeah. saw on Twitter, he did what we are usually accustomed to seeing Woodley do, especially in his last four fights in the UFC. He's very, very, very trigger shy. He's very, yeah. very gun shy. He had him hurt in positions. He was even pressuring him. He's controlling the ring and just refusing to engage, refusing to throw shots. And to his credit, when he did let his hands go, he put Jake in trouble every single time. And you could right. see the power was affecting Jake. And that's what I said. I said, I want to see what happens when Jake gets hurt and gets pressed by Tyron Woodley. The hurt came. The power shot came. The one mm-hmm. uh, high, fast twitch muscle, one power shot that he can throw, that did happen. But he was unable to follow up with combinations with constant pressure to really put him away. Uh, that's the story of that fight. A yeah, rematch. I, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I, I mean, a rematch, it was a close enough fight for a rematch. And the, I think the buildup for this was really fun. Um, so I wouldn't complain at a rematch, but you know, Jake Paul can really fight whoever I'm not really rooting for him to be completely honest. Mm-hmm. I just think as an observer of the sport, it's fascinating to me to watch how this all like unfolds. We have to admit also that this is one thing I think people aren't giving Jake Paul credit for. Um, and I'm also not a Jake Paul fan. I just think that you should give credit where it's due. Jake Paul's constant narrative on fighter pay in the UFC is a good thing. Him yeah. constantly bringing this up and saying Dana White why do you pay this person 5,000 or why doesn't Amanda Nunez get what she deserves or all this other stuff that's good because that's the one thing that can bring uh, fighter pay to change is constant pressure constant demand from the fans things like that and Jake Paul brings all that when he talks about it in interviews yeah, um, yeah you're absolutely both, right. both Tyron and Jake Paul were paid two million dollars flat by the way that is so much more money than time will be has ever made in the ufc right. that it's upsetting that that's like his biggest payday by far right. two million dollars flat um it's unclear if there's any pay-per-view bonuses or anything like that i'd imagine they probably give jake something on the back end um, maybe tyron gets like a, a locker room bonus or something i don't know but at the end of the day there's a lot that you can learn about this event we may not like it we may not like seeing these uh, illegitimate uh, fights, things like that, these circus fights, these YouTuber fights. But at the end of the day, we have to recognize there's something to learn from all of these. We can learn about fans' perspective, about the business of the sport, all these kind of things. So I was intrigued. I enjoyed the show, I will say. Yeah, I, it's I, – I don't even – like. I shouldn't say I don't like it. I, I enjoy the buildup and all that stuff. 
it's just a hard sell for me to be like give us like whatever it was 60 bucks or so like, if it was like 25 bucks then yeah i would buy it every time and watch it every time right but i was just like yeah. i can just go on twitter tomorrow and watch this i don't really care about boxing that much so it's not like um that you like i'll watch any ufc fight any day of any time any week just because i enjoy mma i like watching it i like um the, the strategy of it and stuff like that with boxing i'm not saying there's no strategy to it or even less strategy i'm sure there is an equal amount of strategy it just doesn't do it for me uh the constant breaks the like the the small flurries here and there without any takedowns like kicks stuff like that there's no like um I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. Boxing just doesn't do it for me. Uh, I, what I will say, though, is that I agree that Jake Paul just keep fighting these UFC fighters and talking about, like, why would you stay in the UFC when you can just come fight me once and fucking make enough money you could retire? Uh, I, I, I'm i surprised $2 million is all they're getting. Flat pay. I mean, I'm sure they're getting more, like you said, with the bonuses and stuff like that, but yeah, I, I would have assumed was... it was more, honestly, but it's still pretty yeah. good. I'm, I'm curious, what do you think about this? So you're saying you don't want to watch because Jake Paul, not a huge fan, understandably. It's not even about um, that because I would like to watch. It's, like, it's boxing. It's yeah, I would watch to see him get kind knocked of a out. Side it's, show. Just, it's just not enough for me to pay for it. For $60. Where I could just see him get knocked out on Twitter the next day. Two, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. If Jake Paul yep. decided instead of boxing to pursue mixed martial arts and only picked boxers to fight in MMA, would you be more inclined to watch? So it's him versus boxers in the MMA? Yes. Um, yeah, I think I would definitely watch that. More so than boxing? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So I think it's important to note that we, the casual audience that we are so often trying to find, they don't necessarily care about the sport. It's more so the characters involved in it, right? Because yeah. I'll watch a big boxing fight, even though I don't really like the sport that much. I mean, Turn on any boxing card on the particular night that the UFC is on. The UFC is a much better show, right? Right. Um, so could you think about maybe, I mean, if Jake Paul was to do MMA, let's see he does a crossover event, right? Because him and Dylan Dennis are talking smack, right? Oh How much God. do you think him versus Dylan Dennis does? More than Tyron Woodley? Does. I think so. Yeah, I think that does significant. Because, numbers. but here's the thing. And I would root for hate Dylan Dennis. Yeah, I would root for Jake Paul so hard in that fight. I fucking hate you Dylan You would? Dennis. I hate Dylan. He is the biggest clown go- in combat sports right now. Yeah. You would go against Team MA because you don't 100%. like Dylan Dennis that much? 100%. That wouldn't even be like be a tough decision. Uh, I Dylan understand Dennis that you're such a clown. He is such a clown. I hated him when I, I had understand- Connor. I hated him. <laughs> I hate him now. I, I just can't. I think he's just a fucking clown. He talks well, the that's... most shit of anybody in combat sports and fights the least. What was that? Well, that's what he what fucking I fought. He's been injured. He had like a really bad knee. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to go to bed for Dylan Dennis, really. But I mean, when you were a Connor fan, right? Because I know, I guess you're like a Connor fan of recovery now or something like that. I'm but full blown Connor hater. Okay. All right. And you wouldn't care if, like, during the point in your life where you were a Connor fan, you still wouldn't root for Dylan Dennis? No. I always thought he was a fucking tool. Is there a person on this earth that could make you a Dylan Dennis fan if they were fighting him? Is there a person? Yes. Um, Greg Hardy. There yeah. we go. All right, there's the answer. Set yeah, it up, Dan. Greg All Hardy. Right. <laughs> Great. Yeah, yeah. You need to win back my my fucking fandom here, Dana. Um, 
I, yeah, well, I just can't stand. I think, wait, what if what if? Hold on, I know this is a stupid conversation, anyways, but I'm just curious. If Dylan Dennis won a Bellator championship, would you would you be a fan of him because his shit talk is? I would have more kind of validated for sure. It. Yeah, a hundred percent. The the problem is that he talks insane shit, and then people are like fight me, and he just doesn't answer. He's just like nah, or he just fucking tweets at somebody else. I mean Bisping. I think it's he challenged Bisping to boxing or something like that. Or whatever. Yeah, I think he just kind of like sees whoever's in the headlines and then tweets like, "Oh, by the right. way, John Cox, I think you're a pussy." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like it's that, which is fine because you know what? Because that's exactly what Jake Paul's doing, and then he's putting on gloves and they're fighting each other. Like this kid is just Dennis is just yapping and yapping and yapping and then not doing Whoa. anything. You know what I'm saying? Like, Damn. I wonder like, if this Jake is Paul is that a lot of people out, share. He's calling out these massive personalities. And then following through and at least fighting them. I don't care that he's not, you know, right. like he, he calls up Ben Askren. That's a huge draw. Everyone's like, oh shit, we got an MMA guy. Fucking yada yada. Like the Nate Robinson thing was fucking stupid, but it's a big personality. You can um, argue, you could, you could sell that as like a celebrity, like exhibition. Uh, not a lot of bad blood. It's just like a thing they're doing to raise money or something or make money, whatever you want to say about that. Then you go to the Ben Askren with his actual blood, uh, bad blood. These guys don't like each other. Then you go to the Tyron Woodley. These guys don't like each other. Uh, I think Dylan Danis, you could sell the shit out of that. Um, I, I just, I, I think Dylan Danis is just a punk and he would just make a million excuses if he lost. And then, I, I don't know. I, or he'd pull out of it or just wouldn't do it. Like, I, I'm trying to think. I, I want to know yeah, the last time Dylan Danis fought. I don't think anymore. I, I don't he, know. His last fight was early 2019 for Bellator. It was his second fight in the promotion. It was his second straight first minute leg lock. Um, he then tore his ACL and has been rehabbing it ever since. And also the pandemic kind of got in the way of things. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not making excuses for, him. I'm just telling no. you, I'm just telling you as it is, you know, but you can't but, sit at a two and O record and say you're the greatest wrestler <laughs> that's ever fucking lived. Like it doesn't even make, I'm like, how do you have two and O? Like, what are you talking about? What, how, cause he's been with Connor. I mean, when did Connor blow off 2016, 2014, somewhere around there. And Dylan Dennis has been in the conversation since then. I don't know how old he was at that point. I don't know how old he is now even. But, like, I mean, if he's, he's like, 16, then it makes sense that he, like, isn't fighting, I guess. But, like, look at his age right now. He's just a fucking clown. I, I, I just, like, he's 28 years old. So. He's 28? Yeah, just doing quick math in my head. Um, let's take eight years off of 2020. That's 2012. That's probably right. That's like two years before Connor comes into stardom. He's like 20 there or whatever. I might have done that math wrong. Regardless, he's old enough to be a professional fighter. He definitely could have more than two fights by now. Uh, if he's so-called the greatest fucking wrestler or fighter that's ever lived, I don't, I don't know. But it's like he looks like a clown because he talks as much shit as Jake Paul and then doesn't fight. Like he just like is a voice. You know what I'm saying? Like when I see him tweet, actually, I haven't blocked on Twitter because he annoys me that much. But if, <laughs> if uh, like when I would see him tweet and I just like look at him, oh my God, shut up, dude. Like I'll fight Dylan Davis. I'm fucking, I, I, I think that would do more fucking, I'll probably fight professionally more than he does by the end of the year. Like it's unbelievable. I understand if it's 20 ACL, that is what it is. Uh, nothing you can do. But I don't know. It's, it's the same. He looks, he looks the same as Connor. When Connor's talking shit right now, so like, you can't even walk, dude. Why are you talking shit? I see what you're saying, but I feel like for me, like where I don't really mind when Dylan Dance talks is because we just know the deal at this point, and we just know that he's only doing it 
like he's, it's not like real talk. Like no one's actually like, oh, I really got beef with Dylan Dance. Like people are like, no, I don't care. Like he's just he's exactly. a troll. That's what he exactly. is. He's just a troll. But it doesn't so work. It's like, so it's like it's just like a, it's secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> I see it. Does more. it? Do, well, what other no, two fighter? Or what other two and zero Bellator fighter are you talking about? I don't even know another two and He's just annoying. Exactly. Thing. He's. He's annoying, but no such thing as bad PR. There's no such thing. I suppose, so as long but as he's you get annoying. Attention, and I like, like, Jake Paul's fucking obnoxious, but I respect his hustle. Like, Dylan Dan is, yeah. is annoying, and I have zero respect for him. Like, it's not that he <laughs> gives a shit, because, like, who am I? But, like, it's just like, I, it, dude, back it up. If you're going to talk all this shit, back it up. Do your thing. You're a professional fight. You get paid to fight. This is what most people do. They talk shit about each other. Then they're like, oh, all right, let's duck and throw it down. And they don't get anything for it. Like, you could at least make money for it. You can talk shit and then fight the person and then make money whether you win or lose. Most people talk shit, fight, and then they just end up getting arrested. Like, it's fucking – your your job is to do this, and you're just not doing it. Like, do your job. I don't know. He's a fucking <laughs> that's, either, that's either here nor there. We weren't even supposed yeah, to talk about a, Dylan yesterday. Fucking, we just spent 10 minutes on him. That's anyways. all right. Anyways, Darren Till's gonna fight Doug Brunson this Dude, weekend, and it's I'm it's very gonna. Excited for this. this was supposed to be UFC Liverpool. This was supposed to be uh, their return to our friends across the sea, but that has been canceled due to the vid, the vid, vid. Delta. Um, Darren Till versus Derek Brunson will be on this card, as well as, and this is what I'm really looking forward to, the debut of your old friend oh, Patty Pimblet. Who um, is Patty, Patty the Batty? Patty the Batty is going to be fighting Luigi Viaghetti, I think his name is. Something like that, yeah. Um, there's also a ton of other guys. Um, Tom Aspinall will be on this card. He has undefeated his last six with finishes in all those fights. Um, it, it's, it's a great it's fight at heavyweight. Very good fight. Versus, uh, it is. Sergey Speedbuck. Very good yeah. fight. This main event, Darren Till versus Derek Brunson, is a huge fight for the middleweight mm. division. So yeah, Darren Till... By the way, this is something that I just saw online today that I thought was crazy interesting. Darren Till only has six UFC wins, and I feel like yeah. he's been in the UFC forever now, right? Isn't he, that a little weird? Yeah, I believe um, he's been hurt for a long time, correct? He has been hurt. He has been hurt. He's pulled out a couple fights. He's lost some fights, but only six wins. I thought I kind of viewed him as more of a more seasoned veteran than that. But wasn't how old, wasn't he like eleven and zero or something at one point? He was. He, he was undefeated. Right? He was undefeated, but not all those ones were in the UFC. Okay. So it's fair to say that he's not reached his peak yet. No, despite no what I don't his, think so at all. I don't think we've seen right, the last of Darren Till at all. Oh, for sure. And Darren Till, he could definitely earn a title shot off of this win right here. Yeah. Whether or not that's right, you know, it's obviously a big fight. Him versus Izzy would be huge, bringing a bunch of eyes from that oceanic reason with Izzy. Dude, with Izzy that are talk about that build up, dude? In, Oh my God, would it not be so fun? It would be the best. Um, yeah, and obviously Europe would be a huge market that they're always trying to tap mm-hmm. into. Ever since Michael Bisping left, it seems like they've been trying to find the next Bisping, and they yeah. think they have it here in Darren Till. Um, however, Derek Brunson is no slouch. As we've seen, he's been battle tested against the top of this division for years now. Yep. And Brunson's wrestling, I think, is going to be a real problem for Darren Till despite his great takedown defense. I think it's only a matter of time, basically, before Derek Brunson gets to the ground. And I said with anybody he fights, honestly. Um, I'd be interested to see who wins in the clinch, title of the show, by the way, during this matchup. Um, Because Darren Till being a former welterweight does not mean that he's not going to outsize Brunson here. I don't see Brunson being a particularly big middleweight. 
and Darren Till is larger than most middleweights. Um, so at 185 in the clinch or uh, getting this to the ground, I'm very interested <clears> to see how that works out. A four-fight win streak since losing to Izzy in 2018 for Brunson. He underdog could be a good in every re- fight, by the way. Underdog in every single fight. He could be a really good rematch for Izzy, yeah. although now Adesanya is scheduled to have his second rematch in a row against Robert Whitaker, although unconfirmed that is definitely the plan heading forward. And yeah. just after defending against Marvin Vittori for the second time in his career, uh, another rematch, especially with a guy like Brunson, who doesn't really bring many eyeballs, doesn't really make it that exciting. It might not be of interest to him, and Brunson might have to get one more after this. However, Darren Till could win one fight, and the UFC will treat him like he's Jesus, and he'll get whatever <laughs> he wants. Um, what do you think? I think Darren Till is super exciting, man. I think he moves the needle. I think he's uh, definitely, definitely. potentially be the next Michael Bisping, at least personality-wise, if not fighting-wise. Um, obviously, the head of that Liverpool market, um, maybe not the European market, but definitely the Liverpool, like England, that area. Um, got a lot of English fighters on this card too. I think Tom Aspinall, I know, is from there. Patty Pimble, uh, Pimblet, obviously from there. Um, I, I, fuck, man, this is a great fight. It's such a good fight. Like you said, Derek Brunson four and zero in his last four fights since losing, and uh, underdog in all four of those fights. He's the underdog here, I believe, two minus one eighty. I think out of the gate for Darren Till, which is a little bit higher than I expected him to be. I thought this would be somewhere around like 150, 140. But it, that is what it is. That's its own thing. Um, I, I I love the matchup. I really do. Like I said, or like you said, this is huge for middleweight. Middleweight's kind of stale here too, like um, similar to flyweight. Um, and I think either one of these guys has potential to get a title shot off this fight. Uh, I like the rematch between Izzy and Derek. I just don't think it's possible right now with the whole COVID thing, especially with Australia. The way they're running that country right now is batshit crazy. But that is what it is. And then Darren Till. I think everyone. Uh, if he hadn't lost to Jorge Masvidal, I think he's sitting in a totally different spot right now, career-wise. But um, yeah, I, 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 I like Darren Tilt in this fight. I think he's going to pull it off. Um, we got to see how he looks coming back from injury. But if he can, you know, get through this fight, pull off a win without taking too much damage, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him fight for the title um, really as soon as it's possible for him to get over to the Oceania region. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think it's important to note because a lot of people have been kind of ragging on Darren Till, and I've been guilty of this as well, where people will say all he needs to do is just win one fight, even though he doesn't really deserve a title shot, he'll get one anyways because he's a big star, right? And that's true. That's fair. Yep. But Darren Till is absolutely a world-class striker. You cannot take oh, that away from him. Absolutely. His fight versus Robert Whitaker is his, his last fight before this, when people want to say, oh, his last <laughs> good win is against – uh, Wonder Boy or Cowboy or just something ridiculous like that. He went the full distance with Robert Whitaker, had him hurt, dropped him, and it was a close fight. If that doesn't tell you that Darren Till is a high-level striker, I don't know what to tell you. You clearly have no idea what you're watching. Uh, Darren Till absolutely can hang with anybody. And when I say yeah. anybody, I mean anybody at 185. That's including yep. the champion on the feet. He can hang with anybody on the feet. He's an extremely well-seasoned technical striker. He's gotten much more patient as his career has progressed, which is a great thing for him because he would kind of leave himself into the fire originally, and that's what got him hurt and in trouble against uh, Tyron Woodley. And I think Darren Till, this reinvented version of himself, is premature. His fight IQ has gone up even as well. So I'm interested to see how he can do it against Derek Johnson. It's a really interesting style matchup for him. It's a tough test. And I think we're in store for a great fight no matter what. 
also in that Robert Whitaker fight, uh, did he? What did he tear his ACL, right, or something like that? Remember, did I make right, that? Right. Yeah. Uh, I think he fought yeah, like two no, rounds. You're right because Robert Whitaker. So. Yep, Robert Whitaker hit him with the um, that high that knee little, kick. Yeah, that lead side leg kick. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it, I, I, I mean, he's it. fought on a fucking twenty ACL for some of the fights too, so he's tough as shit. Yeah, exactly. He's also, in case you didn't know the story, Dan Till got stabbed like three or four times in the back at a nightclub in Liverpool. I wonder why, dude. Tell the tale. <laughs> I, I wonder why. I want, he's a fucking uh, goofball. He doesn't he's seem like a guy with the big mouth or anything. No, I, he doesn't. I don't know I'm why surprised. They would do Pretty quaint and, uh, to himself. Uh, he's, he's tough. He's <laughs> tough, man. He's, and listen, like to go through something like that and to go through all the injuries in his career and, cutting weight like a month he would cut 20 pounds yeah, not over the yeah. course of a week in a night he he's a psycho he said that to ariel on his show last week he said he would wait till the night before and then he'd cut down to 170 from being like 190 like yeah, that's I don't know just, how his fucking kidneys still work honestly this guy is just a machine he does yeah. not care he's willing to put his head down and do the work and when things get tough he's willing to bite down the mouthpiece and swing so yeah, great fight coming up here. Super interesting fight. Um, I know you got a fancy football draft you got to get to, so we will wrap up the show here as we do every time. I will read off this weekend's card coming up. This is September fourth at four p.m. Preliminary card starts at one thirty p.m. from the UFC Apex Center. Both are broadcasted on ESPN Plus. Um, we will run through the preliminary card first. We got our first fight: Jonathan Martinez versus Marcelo Rojo. Then we got holy shit, uh, Dalka Lum. Oh man. Lungo Yambala versus Mark Andre Berriot. That's a middleweight fight. Then we have a catchweight fight between Julian Juicy J. Arosa, one of my favorite nicknames, versus Charles Jordan. Uh, I do not know what the catchweight is. It doesn't say here. I'd assume somewhere around 163, something like that. Bantamweight Jack Shore undefeated. He is 14 and 0 versus Ludwig Schulian, 9 2 and 1. That's a good fight right there. Women's flyweight Molly Meatball McCann, another English uh, fighter there, versus Ji Young Kim. Um, that is at flyweight. That is your featured prelim right there. So that'll wrap up just before the main event starts or main card starts at 4 PM. Then we have the highly anticipated debut of Patty, the batty Pimbleton versus or Pimblet, however the fuck you say it versus Luigi Verandami. Um, light heavyweight Modest. Oh my God. Modestas Bukakis. Boskis. I don't know. Uh, versus yeah, Khalil Roundtree Jr. <laughs> Khalil Roundtree, good to see him back. He's an exciting fighter. Welterweight Alex Morono versus David Zawada. And, of course, this is a very interesting, very important heavyweight matchup. Tom Aspinall, another um, Englishman. 10-2-0. Tom Aspinall versus Sergey Spivak, 13-2-0. Super exciting fight there. And, of course, our main event, Derek Brunson, 22-7 versus Darren Till, 18-3-1. Again, that main card will start at 4 p.m. from the UFC Apex Center on ESPN Plus. Preliminary starting at 1.30 p.m. also on ESPN Plus. So little daytime fighting for us. We all love that over here. Um, if that is it, uh, Theo, do you want to plug all your shit? And then we will wrap up. SevereMMA.com, SevereMMA on YouTube, SevereMMA on Twitter, on Instagram, on SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, you can get the SevereMMA uh podcast and uh yeah just check them out all right sweet uh we will talk to you guys next week to recap Derek brunson versus darren till take it easy everybody take it easy